Blog Talk Radio. Joshua Live here Sunday night on Blog Talk Radio from Columbus, a city on edge tonight because we're supposed to get another six inches, another snowstorm. Right now I'm looking out my window. I don't see jack shit happening, but I'm sure when we all wake up in the morning, it's going to be a different story and uh, it's going to suck. Anyway, I got a special guest tonight calling in here just a few minutes, get him on the line. Got YS. Zach Flair, very uh, interesting stuff to get into with him. And tonight, uh, tonight's show has kind of changed because last night uh, things were happening on uh, Facebook as as they always do for all of us. And I'm thinking, what 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 am I going to have as as far as content for the show? <laughs> as as you know, circumstances took place. Uh, uh, D1, who you, I was speaking about last week on the show, he was talking about Colorado and how they've how they're going to be making all this money since they've legalized marijuana in the state. And I came on saying basically that you know I don't really support the legalization of marijuana because you know it is it is bad it is it, it is a drug that that people you know get fucked up off of. And I, I gave an example of how one night when I was at work, a big, huge metal piece of metal almost decapitated the guy because the guy went out and smoked weed like in the parking lot and then came back in and kept working. And, you know, I almost saw a guy die because he was messed up on the job. But anyway, uh, he won commented back and he said, tag me in it. And he said, I'm guessing you were drunk when you went on your anti-weed rant. <laughs> An accident almost happening is a pretty weak argument. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, he's pretty much right about that. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, especially when someone dies from alcohol every 15 minutes. And that, that's something that I didn't know. But, uh, you know, I got in this whole thing about how, you know, if they legalize weed here in Columbus and Ohio, then, you know, You'll walk into Buffalo Wild Wings and people will just be smoking weed in there, and, and I just can't, I just can't see like that happening. But it's like, no, you couldn't smoke weed in there. But I'm like, why not? You know, like why, why not? Because you know, if alcohol is going to be legal and you can drink in a Buffalo Wild Wings, then why wouldn't you be able to smoke weed in a Buffalo Wild Wings? Like, like that's the whole point. You know, like the whole my you know, complaints last week about casinos in Columbus, like, like, people that go to bars are not going to care. Like, most of them smoke anyway, so why did they even ban smoking? Like, like, yeah, fine, McDonald's, whatever, but if you're serving alcohol, then why not, you know, why can't you smoke in there? It's It's just a big, big thing, a big issue for me. Like, I don't like going to places, you know, like, if I'm going to be drinking, I want to smoke. So, But anyway, as far as weed goes, like, and 
it becoming legal because it probably will, especially as Dewan said, if you know states are going to be making a lot of revenue and money off of this. You know, that's, that's all you're going to need. But is it really? Is it really better? You know, is it? Is, call in live to the show and give your opinion on this if, if you have one, if you care. Number to call in is seven one eight six six four six four eight two. Yeah, uh, hot topic there. Another issue, like all I had before that happened, <laughs> was when I see girls on Facebook posting statuses and they say I'm with him. <laughs> like they can't say the guy's name that they're actually with because they probably talk to and mess around with a lot of dudes. So, you know, I can't say, yeah, I'm with John. You know, I just, I, I'm with him. <laughs> Anytime I see a girl say that, it's, it, it drives me nuts. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Anyway, I'm about to have my guest on the line here. So I'm going to get to this real quick. This is something I made for everybody. This is a new segment I'm going to be doing here on the show. It's called Questionable Lyrics. Have you ever been listening to a song and then suddenly you hear somebody say something and it makes you laugh or you think, wow, how could that have ever left the studio? This is Questionable Lyrics. Leather with that wood grain, Persian Russell wood floors, talking all them good things, that's all I'm really good for. That's all I'm really good for. <laughs> okay, that's not really uh, questionable, but it made me laugh. Here's something, here's this week's Questionable Lyric. Now, <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, yeah, I, I, I think I've heard. <laughs> Play that one more time. Okay, first of all, in case you don't know, because I'm sure nobody knows, but this is a the rapper Big Trey D from the group The East Siders that Snoop Dogg formed with gang members uh, Big Trady and Goldie Loke. <laughs> I think it's only a thing where out on the West Coast they will actually refer to uh, pussy as cock. <laughs> like, bitches give me cock. <laughs> but when you hear it, it's just your eye, your eyes bulge out. I know mine did because I'm like, cock? Like that, That's a dude's schlong. Like, <laughs> This has been Questionable Lyrics. And yeah, back to the whole thing about if we're going to legalize marijuana, then why, you know, why not legalize prostitution? You know, it's legalized in Nevada. Now, you talk about, you know, we need jobs. Well, that, that's one, solves all of the uh, job issues. You know, people <laughs> legalize prostitution before you legalize weed, in my opinion. Anyway, about to have... Uh, Guest on the line here. Again, call into the show, 718-664-6482, if you have a strong opinion about marijuana. And, and you know, my whole thing is, uh, yeah, it's not bad because people that smoke weed tend to stay in the house. You know, alcohol will make people angry and cause fights and, and stuff breaking out at bars. Weed's not going to do that. But, you know, the reason that there hasn't been any death because of weed is because, 
you know, you're just high. You're staring on the couch. You're happy. Anyway, let's get into it here. I've got my guest coming on. It's a uh, check this out. An opportunity is all I ever wanted. And I feel like it's time to take it back. Take it way, way back. Rest in peace, JD. Rest in peace, Big Proof. Rest in peace, Box 10. Still lives through me. Let's go. Yo. I've been the dopest since 9 2, with expectations were smaller than 5 2. When I was a kid, yo, I used to play live too. I'm looking at these rappers like, tell me who signed you. Lord of the underground, Lord of the illa sound. Hip hop back, I fell in love with the dealer sound. Maurice Malone, when I'm in my zone, with the hip hop chop is where you bound to get rocked and where you bound to get jacked. But well, that's the product of the industry, and being whack has always been my fucking enemy. Check my track record, there's no end me. The spirit of James DNC is running into me. Reggie Miller with the game on the line. But I score Spike Lee and plus talks on the line. Give me the ball because it's victory time. I'm lyrically inclined because hip hop's mine. 92, a mixtape that you did, and the the first question would be, why did you retire? (laughs) Um, I guess I didn't really retire. I mean, I've kind of taken a break from it. I've been, you know, so involved with basketball, you know, going to different events, going to as many games as possible. I don't have as much time as I used to have for music, Um, but I'm still active. Like, I still write. I still freestyle. I'm just not, I don't have the means to record like I used to. Yeah, because people would hear that. Like, that's what turned me on to you was the fact that, you know, most people, like, you were, you were, I think, 19 at the time. Now you're older, 21. But the simple fact that you could meet somebody this day and age that listens to hip-hop, listens to Nas, Illmatic, stuff from the early 90s, as opposed to, you know, like you would say, that's a classic album, whereas most cats you meet would be like, well, no, the Carter Free is the best album in <laughs> the classic. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you're on there. Sorry, sorry. But, uh, I mean, when I first started, you know, getting into involved into hip-hop, um, you know, I, I made sure to go back, you know, to the early 90s, late 80s, and listen to the classics. Um, you know, Eric B. and Rakim, Public Enemy, um, obviously Nas, earlier Jay-Z, Common, whatever it was, you know, kind of just to get a feel for the hip-hop culture and appreciation before I made my own music. Um, so that way, I, you know, I didn't make it seem like I was, you know, uneducated about hip-hop. You know, I, I kind of wanted to have that appreciation. I just fell in love with the, you know, the early 90s East Coast sound. And that's where a lot of my, uh, you know, influ- 
influences and inspirations came from uh, when I was making music. And then, as it turns out, that the people that were making tracks back then through the uh, NPCs and stuff, uh, DJ Premieres, the large professors, then Jay Dillis, like uh, compared to how everything sounds now, everything's all computerized and auto-tuned up, and if nothing's raw like it was 20 years ago, right. So the uh, you actually uh, you released some stuff and you done some music videos. I know you actually did a show last year on stage, and I yeah. I don't remember ever really talking to you about it. The the shows I've done are horrible. <laughs> People can get on YouTube and check those out. Like it's I'm infamous for having some bad shows. But uh, right. you could just tell that story as to what that was like to finally get on stage um, and. Well, I've been on stage. Sorry, I've been on stage. I performed at several different venues. Um, the last, I guess, real performance I did was at forget what it was, it was like a 2012 like DJ Whit Taylor. She's now in New York City, um, but she put it together. It was on the East Side, um, and it didn't go as well as I expected. Now I performed with my new Crux, um, and I guess our music, like our content was way different from the other people that performed. Um, you know, I don't like to say this a lot, but, you know, we were like the only white people there. So, you know, it was just kind of, you know, looking out in the crowd, there's not white people there. And our, our music was kind of more geared towards, like the content matter was like a kind of like odd future then. Um, and, you know, the the crowd didn't recept well to it. Um, so that didn't go well. But, you know, shows I've done before that, they went a lot better. Um, you know, I, I'm more keen, you know, I'm, I feel more comfortable in like the coffee shop environment, the spoken word poetry type environment. Um, so that's yeah. kind of the places that I thrived at. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. The thing is being the guy that you are, it's, it's, it's hard to get, get as noticed doing what you're doing and, and giving, you know, props to these old producers and people in the music as opposed to somebody that just follows the trends and it's extremely difficult to build a fan base and actually get followers when you're bringing something that nobody else is doing. Like anybody can come out and do a remix of whatever the newest hot song is, <laughs> but you're going back and you're right. using beats from that nobody's heard. And that's, that's the thing that I like the most about you when listening to your stuff and, that's yeah, another I mean, thing I wanted uh, to. Ask. What was that? Sorry. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, when I came out with the Gelanthropology Project in June 2012, a lot of people didn't even know, like, you know, what it was named after. Most of the people didn't even know who Jay Dilla was. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you when you say, you know, it's kind of harder to build a following, you know, when you're doing something that no one else is doing. Um, but you know, going back, rapping over old Dilla beats. You know, I felt like it, it gave me a little bit of an edge, but at the same time, you know, I felt like it kind of held me back because I didn't have any original production. Um, so going over all those beats that I already made, there was, you know, somebody else's. It was kind of hard, you know, passing the copyright infringement laws and, you know, getting around all that, you know, when I was putting my projects out. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I, just, I just wanted to show appreciation, you know, to the some of the most classic producers. Yeah, and I've always I've always tried to do my part as far as whether it's 100 people to listen to whatever I put up or it's 10, 
but I, I'm just getting art, different artists' names, you know, in the eyes and ears of other people. You know, it goes a long way. But uh, to go back to uh, some of the old stuff and, and not talk about anything from today, but uh, Jay-Z and Nas back in 2001, like, like they had a whole battle and an issue going on, and then eventually Nas signed with Jay-Z and all of that. But the battle, in as far as rap, that was a line that was coming for a long time. But I'm just as far as being a fan, like that's that's something that, like I want to see, and I want to see that that comeback. Uh, I just wanted to know who you thought won the battle, whether you thought Jay Z and the Takeover was it, or Nas Ether Jay Z. I think you know from just the battle standpoint uh, between Takeover and Ether, I feel like Nas has the edge there. But I think in the long run. Uh, you know, Nas may have won the battle, but I feel like Jay-Z won the war because Nas eventually signed to Jay-Z, um, and they kind of rekindled their, their relationship a little bit, you know, and Jay-Z has kind of stayed more relevant than Nas. You know, although I feel like Nas has made better albums over you know, the last several years, um, I feel like Jay-Z has kind of has been the guy that's taken over. You know, he's ventured into different, uh, different markets, you know, doing different stuff. Um, but as far as the battle between, you know, those two MCs at the time, I feel like Nas definitely had the edge. Um, but, you know, TakeOver is definitely, I feel like it's underrated. I feel like it doesn't get as much credit as it should. And then even um, the Blueprint 2 track from the Blueprint 2 album, um, where he, he said he brought the flutes out on him and he kind of sent a couple lines to Nas, I feel like that was pretty tough. Um, and it, was, it definitely made the battle between them closer than what many people would give it credit for. Yeah, the, the takeover was kind of going at a couple different people, but then Nas just came back, and this is at a point in time when, when Nas was pretty much two years out of the game, and Jay-Z almost resurrected his whole career <laughs> and gave Nas this opportunity. But, you know, when Ether came out, that was pretty scorching. <laughs> definitely yeah. say that point. Nas I had him. Uh-oh. But uh, to continue to talk about Jay-Z and Nas, people that are fans of these artists that have made good stuff over the years, but then as the years goes on, people, I don't know if they're getting lazy or just just riding on the uh, wave that they have. Like people are going to buy a Jay-Z album no, no matter what, buy a Nas album no matter what. But um, like anything from like like the past several years like when when was the last everyone anyone I talk to talks about Jay-Z this always goes back to the blueprint and I feel like the black album was Jay-Z's better than the blueprint <laughs> but um as, as just as a fan of, of rappers and stuff like this it's it's disappointing like <laughs> like you want you want you want a good album from these people yeah I mean I I I definitely agree with that. Even Jay-Z's last album, I feel like on any track, it, it didn't seem like he took more than about five minutes to write the verses. Um, it was just really lazy rhyming. And I, I also feel like with everything that Jay-Z has going on, he might not have as much time you know, to devote to his music like he did in early 2000s, you know, late 90s. Um, but I feel like American Gangster is better than what people give it credit for. Definitely love the Black album. I thought the Blueprint 2 was pretty good. 
Uh, hated the Blueprint 3. It was too <laughs> poppy mainstream for me. Um, I like to watch The Throne. I thought Jay-Z was spitting on a couple of those tracks. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel Jay-Z's been pretty consistent over the years. He hasn't really put out a just completely whack album. Um, I, I'd say Blueprint 3 is probably the worst album he's ever put out, in my opinion. I, I hated that more than I hated uh, the last one he just put out. So then, as far as Nas goes, like, the uh, early, like, I think the first four Nas albums were were the best for me. And then you get glimpses of what Nas kind of used to be, what he used to do. Right. I mean, Nas, he's also been pretty consistent. You know, he's had stretches where, um, you know, his albums just haven't reached expectations of what, you know, we expect from Nas. And I feel like, you know, putting a debut album like Illmatic out, you know, many people give it credit, or, you know, many people think that it's the greatest hip-hop album of all time. Um, you know, I feel like it's kind of hard to live up to those expectations. Um, I think It Was Written was amazing. Uh, it's definitely an underrated album. Um, but just in the last couple of years, you know, his last two albums he's put out, I feel like they've been pretty solid projects. I think Life is Good was one of the best albums that came out in 2012. Um, definitely one of my favorite albums of the year uh, back then. But, you know, Nas has stayed pretty consistent, and he's, you know, he hasn't changed himself. You know, he's still putting out, you know, really, really high-quality hip-hop. Oh, yeah. And, um, as far as, uh, is there anybody right now that's from a newer newer generation of, of rappers that, that you really dig because there really hasn't been that many for me. Like I like uh, I like the game, uh, not his albums, but his mixtapes. <laughs> like when he when he broke away from Fifty Cent, and when the G Unit kicked him off the label, and he just went in three hundred bars, five hundred bars, fuck all you guys. Like that's what made me like like the game. So he's one guy, and uh, Drake, I I I like some Drake, but not not most Drake. But <laughs> Like, who is it for you that's uh, come out in the past five years, I'll say, that you can, like, keep an eye on or listen to? Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar by far. Um, he's probably my favorite current rapper. Um, I just feel like he's brought lyricism back to the mainstream. Um, you know, the verse he had on Big Sean's Control, you know, where he name-dropped every, you know, hot artist in the game. I feel like that just shook up hip-hop. And a lot of people that, you know, haven't studied hip-hop, a lot of, you know, casual rap listeners are kind of shocked by it. Um, but, you know, me, that's that's hip-hop to me. You know, I wasn't too surprised with that. Um, but with the mainstream, the you know, the average listener used to this, you know, candy-hop culture that, you know, has developed in the mainstream. They weren't really um, expecting that from a mainstream rapper. But, yeah, Kendrick Lamar... He's definitely the guy that, you know, I've been a huge fan of for about the last three years. And he's put out, yeah, you know, his project has has gotten better. Yeah, his name comes up comes up quite a bit these days. <laughs> and that's rare when you, when you don't have the uh, big Puff Daddy kind of guy behind you pushing you <laughs> to make you become a huge star in hip-hop. Like, if you're not signed under Lil Wayne these days, you're... You're not going to be on the radio 500 times a day. You're not, you know, things like that. 
no doubt. Yeah, but, yeah, he's definitely been helped out. He's been helped out a lot, you know, by Dr. Dre, um, especially on his last album. You know, Dr. Dre was, I think, he's featured on two tracks. So Dre's kind of been the guy that's been in his corner and has kind of, I guess, passed on the throne of the West Coast King, you could say. And Dre, I had this recently where some people disagreed with me when I said that Kanye West was the producer of the decade as far as... I think the only two people Kanye West didn't produce for were Eminem and Nas. But besides that, (laughs) you go back to H to the Izzo, you go back to... Any so many songs that Kanye West did that nobody even knows he did them. You know, he's on the classic Carter Three Little Wayne <laughs> album. Yeah. You know, he's produced for everybody. Whereas Dre these days is is pretty much doing the Beats by Dre, selling the headphones, and Detox will probably never come out. Like my album will come out <laughs> after Detox, <laughs> but. <laughs> I mean, the other guy in there is Timbaland, of course. You know, yeah. you can make a case for as far as being the, the best producer. But some of the stuff I'd go back to the Commons albums, B and Finding Forever, where which was basically them, like Common and Kanye West, just great albums, great CDs. And there's supposed to be an album with Common and Nas. And that's supposed to be a Nas album produced solely by DJ Premier. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna wait. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, <laughs> wait around until I, you know, on these things. But this, this is the kind of stuff that uh, I would have to say that the game and the kids today would need because kids today don't even like Eminem. When ten years ago he was the biggest thing in the world, like only older people seem to like the new Eminem album. <laughs> Anybody I know under the age of twenty, twenty-one hates it, and then everybody I know, like I saw a fifty-year-old guy playing one of the songs in his car. <laughs> so Eminem's accomplished that at this point, but he seems to have lost all the uh, uh, the kids, basically. I guess you could say. <laughs> And that's what you need. That's what made right. Little Wayne possible. You get I mean, to go back to life. Feel like, I definitely feel like the young hip-hop or young rap listeners nowadays, they need something that is actually hip-hop. I mean, I, I like I said, I go to a lot of basketball games, you know, scout talent. And I, I definitely pay attention to, like, the pre-game playlist. And the majority of the music that I hear is, like, Chief Keith, Young Scooter, um, just like these VBE trap artists that, I mean, it's just, it's the, the content is terrible. The beats all sound the same, and that's like what all the kids, all the young kids are listening to. Um, and I don't know if, even if Nas comes out with the album with DJ Smear, I don't know, you know, how well it's going to be, re- be received by, you know, these young kids that hear the same, you know, content is, um, is content list matter. Like, it's just, I don't know. I, I hate I hate that type of you know type of rap, um, but that's what all the kids you know seem to be buying into. Um, but they definitely need to be yeah. Yeah, two chains on his of the world. Yeah, <laughs> it pains me. People will come over to my house and just turn on two chain songs. And this is almost like a living hell for me. <laughs> One day I was in the car. I was actually with this rapper below. 
And I asked him, I was like, do you like teaching? He was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what that's that's what people want. And and again, like if you want to succeed as an artist, it's really easy to a it's a very simple formula to get down. You just have to repeat the same word over and over. <laughs> just wrap up. Like the Juicy J. Like he's like his name, I think it's from Three Six Mafia, if I'm not misunderstanding that. But you know, you want to Miley Cyrus now, you know. My brother was like making Juicy J songs, you know, in two seconds, like, you know, like, you know, Jay's on my feet, Jay's on my feet, get like me. <laughs> he was like, sit in my car, sit in my car, sit in my car, it will go far. <laughs> it's, it's very easy to do that, and that's, that's you know, but to some someone like you or wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> wouldn't right. I mean, I anyway, I got the countdown. Got the countdown now. Sixty seconds left. Go ahead and. Uh, okay. I wanted to go ahead and say I noticed on your Facebook there was a uh, thing you posted tonight about making donations to someone. If you, if you could just speak on that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my cousin. My cousin Steve. Uh, he is engaged to, um, or is his fiance, I guess. Um, her sister's, her niece, her sister's daughter, um, you know, was to, they, went, they went to see the doctor, you know, she was stumbling around, and they discovered that she was, she has a cancerous brain tumor, and I believe she's two years old, um, and she has to receive, you know, brain surgery, you know, to treat the tumor. Uh, so what the fundraiser is, it's just, you know, raising money for her parents who, you know, can't make their normal wages. They can't really work as much as they could because they're caring for, uh, you know, the daughter, Leah. Um, so the mm-hmm. fundraiser is just for them to help them out, you know, during this time with the tough medical bills. Uh, so that's all that is. And, you know, any any donation would be would be great because they can, you know, use all, all the help they can get. Oh, yeah, and I'm going to share that here. So I think a lot of people will back that, back that cause. But anyway, I want to thank you for joining me tonight. My time is up here. I gotta end the episode. Uh, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, we'll see you in the wrap. It's been Jake Joshua Live here on Sunday night.